what's going on? It's Brian Trump. Welcome to the SAI Million Dollar PDR Podcast. A little simple minds from the 80s. How you been, man? Everything good? This is our Monday edition podcast. Had a great weekend. Did a crap ton of training last week. We had four students. I was only planning on having three, but a fourth one slipped through. Kind of like an unplanned pregnancy, if you will. Um, But not, you know, all for naught, though, as they say. Uh, Jake Nash came in and helped me uh, do a marvelous job of training. And uh, for those four boys, gentlemen, men, uh, it couldn't have gone out better, I don't think. I mean, at least from my perspective, which, yes, I am a little biased. Sorry. Shoot me. Ah, don't shoot the messenger. But uh, Jake, with his 20-plus years of experience, mine with 30 counting this year, that's 50. That's a half a century of PDR knowledge you're getting spewed at you. And they seem to be very receptive to it. Um, this was a good group, man. You, you know, you're probably thinking, what what's the characteristics of a bad group, Brian? All right, I'll spill it. Good question. Um, people that don't pay attention, people that aren't vested, and aka they don't want to learn it or they don't care. The bill was footed by somebody else. Maybe it's a kid and it's, it's his dad's aspiration. And it's not his, or uh, somebody sent by. Uh, a dealer or a body shop where they're like, oh man, this would be great. And then the person doesn't want to do it or doesn't have a work ethic. Maybe they don't have the physicality. You know, they're not athletic, right? So that would be bad, wouldn't it? And it happens, yes. Any of you yous that are out there, youans that uh, push metal for a living, you know that it's a physical process. Uh, it takes concentration. It takes athleticisms. So... If you were going to send somebody, you kind of have an idea because you're fighting the battle at the front lines, what kind of cat you'd want to come fight along with you to grab another musket and start to protect you at the front lines of the Civil War, but uh, of automotive dent removal. So you probably would not select somebody who didn't have the ability to pay attention, aka ADD or a physicality issue like a, a bum wrist or a limb poor vision, or just overall malaise, lack of drive, let's say, right? So so these guys, Jake and I were lucky. These guys, these all four cats, they were really good. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very thankful. David, Pete, Omar, and John. And John's going to make for a really cool story because he's going to be here for a few more weeks, and he's going to be setting up shop in... The Philippines. Hopefully he doesn't mind me podcasting this. I doubt that the people in the Philippines are listening. Apparently there's one guy in the biggest area of the Philippines and he is picky and he is kind of like a dent removal glutton, if you will. He only does minor stuff and he's backed up. He's got a crap ton of work. Guys, there's honey holes like this still around the world. And he gets paid well, by the way, even in the Philippines. Yes, we're talking wealthy um, so there's people like, uh, myself, Orange County, where we got hundreds of PDR techs, Orlando, Florida, same thing. I imagine Chi, town and NYC, you know, we're all battling and competing. There's places in the world where we don't, there's really no competition. I, I trained a guy a couple years ago out of Minnesota and there was one woman that ran his little area, his, his geographic. 
and she wouldn't do creases, body lines, dents in her edges, sharp dents, da da da. And she still made you know multiple six figures by turning people down. And it, it finally got to the point where the kid's dad, who ran a body shop, says, "Fuck this! I'm sending you to go learn how to do PDR. You're gonna do my stuff first and foremost, and then you can venture off into the rest of the city and blow this chick out of the water." And that's exactly what he did. He was absolute freaking phenom. We had we my students this week. We had one who we called him the savant. Omar, who was sent by a Honda dealership. Omar was ridiculous. He did really good. He was he was something else. Uh, I don't know. I was I was pretty pretty impressed with Omar's skills, quality. Just a chill cat. He's Caribbean by nature. He's born in Kingston, I think. Um, just a nice dude. Real nice dude, and just just his his DNA was so connected to the PDR. Uh, process, jeez, and Jake and I were just like, yeah, man, everything we throw at this guy. Very few dents he didn't finish right out of the gate, the first ones. Did he mess up some stuff? Sure, some whale tails, some body lines, but just about everything else. Creases, softs. First one down the door, done. One into a trunk, done. Roof, done. You know, at least 85, 90% or better. So it's just like, jeez, it was cool. It was cool, man. It was really fun training him. It, he made it easy. Or as Fleetwood Mac would say, he made love and fun. And I say that because one of the members of Fleetwood Mac, if you even know who that is, you probably don't. I'm dating myself. Um, died recently. So um, anyway. I'm going to put on some lo-fi right now. Get away from the other stuff we were just listening to. But uh, yeah, I was kind of sad about the about the Fleetwood Mac stuff that... Big fan myself. I'm a child of that that era. So, so yeah. But anyway, yeah, the students were good. So, Omar, David, um, Pete, and then of course John. Really good group. Thank you once again to Jake, Jake the the gunslinger, PDR tech extraordinaire, and trainer. Funny thing about him is he learned is when you train, you actually learn. You learn to be even better at your craft, but you also learn about dealing with people. And it teaches you something about yourself, which is one of the reasons I do it. I mean, it's the students are, of course, gaining something out of it, but we as instructors gain something out of it. And we become better teachers and better techs. So he, he's like, I didn't think I'd like this this much. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of cool, huh? Um, so we're, we're paid in other ways. Um, and I, a lot of compliments. David from Florida said that, uh, man, you, you're not charging enough, which I... I appreciate him saying that. That that's a that's a front door compliment. I, he was a good dude. So, thank you, David. And I already left a couple of reviews, which is cool. So anyway, so I had maybe at least ten people respond, and that's pretty big because I thought I only had like eleven people listening to this podcast um, last week after one of the episodes, and a lot of people were chiming in about PDR as a commodity, and kind of overall were the essence of the of the interactions were would I do a little bit of a deeper dive, more or less. Some were just Q&A, can you help me, can you freely, free consult me, blah, blah, blah. So so here's a deeper dive. We're going we're gonna to go down the, the mine shaft, if you will, the rat hole, uh, journey to the center of the earth, good movie, and see, if, uh, see what we can explore here and see if we can come up with something that might help some of you that that are looking to not have to go head to head with their local PDR guy 
and, and just price to the bottom at the end of the day. That's the essence. That's the whole reason. Um, you know, so let, let, let's, uh, let's create some more secret sauce here. Let's get into this. So first off, we're going to talk about uh, water and gas. Okay, water and gas are, are basically commodities. If you had two glasses of water there, one was from one company, one was from the other, and they were just glasses, and there's no labeling, there's no brand, you've never heard of the name. One was called like Big Bopper, and the other one was uh, Slab of Wood Water. You know, right out, of the, right out of the gate, just the name alone starts to affect you from the basis of a brand. It's brand awareness, and then you might start making forming a decision which glass you're going to go grab. Well, water's water. Let's face it. I mean, people try to spin it. You know, this water has got from here. This water is, you know, we added these things to this water. This, this is a beautiful bottle. This is a beautiful name. And then these people drinking, it's going to make you feel different. It's all about the experience, right? So that's marketing. And marketing, that's the reason for this podcast, guys. I mean, I, I love PDR. I like becoming a better tech and an instructor and everything, a teacher. But but I want to help us all grow businesses through marketing. That's what that gets my, my PDR rocks off. I, I, I see the greatest opportunity for all of you, including me, via better marketing. And marketing is not easy. Um, the fact is most of us are horrible at it. And that's being putting it kindly, including me. But trying to get better and putting our time in and focus is, of course, going to gonna make us better we're gonna pay, we're gonna take some steps back it's like freaking making an omelet man like we always say you gotta break a few eggs right well, we're gonna fuck up some shit trying to be better marketers but at the end of the day if our we keep our eyes on the prize we're gonna rise hey what do you know rap master brian so so i we were talking about water and gas so you got those two bottles of water what about gas assuming that you have a car that that burns fossil fuels what kind of what kind of get do you have a do you prefer or do you not give a shit you just look at prices if you're just looking at prices you're thinking of gas as a commodity and truth be told i would bet you most people out there who buy gas look at it that way too they don't care if it's chevron with tecrolene or shell with i don't know what the hell they have everybody's got their little additives they're always trying to make you know the gas be different with additives because they don't try to build a brand around it per se. So it's like, as long as they have distribution, hey, you know, we realize that most of the time it's just going to be a price. It's a commodity. And it's hard. You know, so then what did they do? They started doing uh, convenience stores and, and selling products at the gas stations to try to capitalize that. And that's basically like, they'd be this, akin to us selling more services with our PDR, you know. Either bundling or just you know a broader service uh, menu of what we do. Hey, oh, you don't just do dents. You do touch up. You do this. You do that. Well, that's kind of what that's that's how the gas stations expanded on their their realm from trying to break away from being just a straight commodity. So anyway, so yeah, so water and gas. I think they're two great industries to look at to not only just give you ideas. Then to, t to look at how they're trying to stay away from being commodities. And I'm going to bring up two large water companies. I'm not going to go into gas. And then we'll talk about how you can apply some of these similar things. Some of what some of the big bigger minds talk about with breaking away from being a commodity. Okay? Without having to have a, 
an eight-figure budget for your marketing. So two waters, two of the most popular waters. Guess who owns these water companies? Pepsi and Coke. And I think Coke is still the most popular soda drink over Pepsi. But Pepsi has Coke beat with their water brand, Aquafina. Aquafina is the number one brand for water. Number two or three right there is Dasani. Okay. And I don't think either one of these waters are, are bottled at the source of, of the Colorado Rockies or, you know, the, the Swiss Alps or something special. They're just freaking filter water. And they have a, a chemical makeup that, you know, with minerals or whatever that probably tastes somewhat pleasing. That's why people re repurchase it. And I'm sure that's the whole idea. It's, is they want LTV. They want lifetime value, right? So anyway, so why else? What, what about Aquafina and, and Dasani make people want to buy those waters? Okay. Well, obviously marketing. You know, distribution. They're in a shit ton of stores, both of them, I'm sure. Costco's, convenience stores everywhere. And then, of course, there's TV, you know, and all the broad mass marketing. So people try their water and they hopefully they'll like it. I mean, I, I, I've, Aquafina to me is kind of just kind of average. It's not offensive, It's but it's not great. I like Arrowhead, the way it tastes. Uh, Dasani tastes pretty good, too. I don't know what it is, but it does. If you ask me, I, I would say Aquafina wouldn't be my number one. And what do you guys think? But let's talk about how Pepsi and Coke real quick have have uh, have competed. So Coke, through its competitive positioning strategy, Coke always stays ahead of its competitors by offering a wide product line okay, and expanding its advertising. So they throw a lot of money at advertising. But Coke's mostly just a drink line. I don't think Coke got into food like Pepsi did. Pepsi owns restaurants. So, so Pepsi is food, snacks, and beverage. And that's what's crazy. I mean, so Pepsi, I, I don't know who, which company or corporation grosses more. You might think it's, it's probably Pepsi. Being the fact that they branded into food or, or ventured into food, whereas Coke just stayed beverage. But they both realized, okay, once they had a, a firm hold in their markets for their drinks, just Pepsi and Coke, and this was all the way through the 80s, and even 90s, I think, when they had Michael Jackson and they were having taste tests, they were going at each other hard and they realized, you know what, we don't need to be number one. We could be number two and I'll let you be number one or number one, whatever you do, man, we're, we're selling a shit ton of product. So let's not try to be number one and that's not about ego. Now that we have our market share and our position in the market, let's diversify and start selling more things, right? So that's kind of what we should do as PDR people, I think. At least it served me well, and maybe it'll serve you. So, get to own your market. Whether it's a one-mile circle, a two-mile, five-mile, own it. And then you can either go more geographic, or you can diversify, or both. That's number one. Number two, here, I'm, I'm going to get into 11 things that we can basically do. A little bit of a deeper dive about how to not race to the bottom. When somebody hits you up and says, hey, I need to ask them down a dent, and you sit there and you just text them, you know, 150 or 225 or something. Okay, thanks. And then crickets, right? Why? Because they think you're just like Chevron 
with your Tecrolene and AMPM and all that. You did nothing to educate them, to let them know that PDR is, is hardly a commodity like water or gas. We're a lot more complex, aren't we? We truly are, you know. E even a dime-sized dent is not truly really a commodity-driven service process. There is a big difference, big difference. So here are four quick ways out of the 11 to help marketers prevent their brand from becoming a commodity. Number one, create an emotional connection. Okay, there are a lot of attributes that contribute to the price charge for a product. If you can create to connect with people on an emotional level, like they trust you and they, and they enjoy who you are, the face of your business, whoever it is, they're going to buy from you. And they, and they may not mind spending a little more money. Most of the time they don't. Number two is premiumization, premiumization, which basically means you're focusing on the premium part of the market and giving them what they want and then beyond, which I've talked about all the time. That's one of the things we definitely do, the premiumization. Premiumization, I think is what they called it. Create new pricing structures is another thing. You could have options. I've heard some people say, hey, you know, I'll just take it out to a base level where you'll still see some of it left and it's X price or you want it perfect, it's this. I don't like doing that. I've tested it. It doesn't seem to really help. People say they don't need it perfect, but they do. They want it perfect. We had a girl two weeks ago with her Toyota Tundra. It was, wasn't so much for dental mobile, it was for body work. And she's like, I don't need it, need it perfect. But she'd already been to us and I kind of knew. It was funny she said that. She was basically wasn't saying she needed it perfect. She was saying, I'm on a budget. She had a funny way of saying it. And then back to list number four, make the first move. If you're first to market or near first to the market, like our guy that's going to the Philippines, you're going to just inherently, because of less competition, it's going to be easy, right? But that option is not going to be on the table for most of us, is it? Okay. So here's another handful of things you could do. Customer discovery. Survey your customers. I've talked about this. Talk to as many people as you can. You want to discover as much as you can about your customers and prospects. Learn about their pain points. Learn about their, their desires. Okay, what they want. I mean, it's huge. There's so much that you won't know. Their wants and desires. What's the pain? What are the must-haves? Figure out their price tolerance. Move the price around. Paul Corden, had, I think it was last month, I, I read on his uh, Facebook group, that they've been, they raised their prices to try to find out what the price tolerance is. Is there elasticity or not? And just like when we did this, their business dropped a little bit, but their overall take rose, their profits. So if your gross profits enlarge, engorge themselves, if you will, and you had to work less and you made more money, is that a bad thing? Other things to survey your customers. Competitor intelligence. Hey, what do you think about XYZ company? What do you think about our company or our brand? I don't like your logo. I don't like you. Okay, thank you. I don't like where you're located. I don't like your onboarding process. I don't like the first the first feel. Why, did, why didn't you guys, why didn't you send me a reminder? On, on, on. And you, the idea is, you you know, 
A small handful is not going to be enough. You have to get enough responses, guys, to ensure that you have reliable and actionable results. Hey, I surveyed 20 people, man. I'm going to lower my price. They all said I'm too expensive. Eh, hold on, bucko. You need reliable surveying. I, I would argue, guys, that research is the single most valuable thing. It's the most valuable investment you can make to win the marketplace. Because ultimately, if you really, 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 really know your customer, you're going to have a roadmap. And the good news is, most of those that are lackeys that are in your any town USA where you happen to have your ass sitting right now or your feet are pressing payment, they're not doing what we're talking about. It takes work. They're just going through the regular motions. And chances are most of you out there listening to podcasts aren't going to do it either. That's fine. Losers. Kidding. Hey, I didn't do it for a long time. And I still don't do it as much as I should. So put me in that bucket. So once you have this information, then you can start to kind of alter your strategies. And here comes a few more. So there's a product or there's a, uh, a part to this mix called product or market adjacency. So should you make your existing service more appealing or look for new markets beyond your core, which is called market adjacency? Market adjacency in PDR would be anything that's related to, to automotive recon. Or you could go way wider. Oh, we sell tires now. Okay, all right, that's not exactly adjacent. Adjacent would be bumpers, wheels, touch-up, okay, spot painting, things like that. Interior. If you could find an unmet need, I mean, I've had people ask me, hey, do you do brakes? I could. To me, that's not, it's not adjacent enough to me. Can we do it? Sure. Is there an ingredient to your service that you could do to make it better? I.e. stronger, lighter, or faster. Sure, we could do mobile, and that's faster for the customer. Is it always better for us? No, not necessarily. Maybe you valet the cars back to, to the shop, make it convenient for them. Maybe. Why not? Maybe you have to decide on a certain portion of the market or an industry or geography. I only serve this town because it's not served well by competitors. Or I only serve this market. I only do body shops. I'm really good at it and I've got a, a handful of mom and pops or whatever and they call, I'm there and I charge a fair price. Conversely, you might find that there are some customers that no longer fit with your goals, your new direction. And what do you do? Fire their ass. You can't be all things to everyone, can you? Oh man, I do body shops, dealerships, I do uh, service centers, I do lawn chair repair, I do, <laughs> you know, everything. I sell drones. Oh, and I do dirt mobile too. It's all in one business card. I had a student one time like that, super cool dude. I know he's probably not listening to the podcast, so I'm going to say your name, dude. I hope you're not listening, but your name is Guy. And he had, God, seven things I think it was that he did on his his his, uh, his service business card. And one was servicing lawn furniture. I shit you not. He did bumper painting and minor spot repair, painless dent repair, uh, I think landscape uh, design, and then custom portraits or something. I mean, it was like literally like seven things. I'm just like, shit, guy. 
you need to hone that down, man, and just kind of pick. Pick one and do it well. You can't be all things. And what about bundling or unbundling your offers? Hey, for every dent I do, it's free touch-up, it's free buffing, it's free ceramic, whatever. Bundle. And you can't give them what they don't value. And that's where it goes back to the surveying, right? Oh, shit, Brian. I don't want to ask him anything, though. Then you're never going to know, Billy. And then, of course, once you do figure it out, price accordingly. All right. Moving on to another one. Distribute your brand in a unique way. So analyze that data, the surveys, or the surveys, and decide how you can put your service in your customer's hands. Right? There's, there's different ways to do this. I'll give you an example. Uh, I know a guy that he does swap meets only. He's at the swap meet Saturday and Sunday. He does enough dents for his care and his uh, profit targets that he doesn't need to work Monday through Friday. He's found a different way of servicing the customers. I know another guy that's in the parking garage of a large skyscraper, and it's a combination of offices and apartments, and he has enough customers in that building, and he hardly ever leaves. Weird, huh? They do detailing, and they do dance, and he does a few other things. I think he does PPF, maybe. That's it. How about this? Could you offer PDR where others typically don't? It's all been done, Brian. There's no ideas, man. There's nothing else. I hear them from a lot of people, man. It's just a lot of can't. I can't. I told my student this week, John, and I'm sure you're not listening to the podcast, but if you are, you don't mind me saying this. He and this, my kids used to say this phrase a lot too. And I look at John kind of like a kid, even though he's 25, I think, 25, 26, half my age. He uh, kept saying, I can't. Brian, I just can't do this. I can't do that. And I'm like, John. And that's not his voice. I just, I gave him a voice for character recognition you can't say can't i'm struggling with or i'm trying to or this is difficult yeah but a can't means you you've already quit on it right even if you don't really mean it part of your brain is gonna gonna think that you're gonna go down a different dirt road because of that that's why i just believe in in mindset and i think if you address what you the phrasing and your strategy and your positivity is going to be much more robust so going back to what I said, where could you offer PDR where others typically don't? Besides, you know, the Philippines, like John's going to go do. You don't have to leave the country. I've talked about canvassing. Oh, fuck that, Brian. I ain't going to can. All right, hey, I didn't say it was going to be easy. Stop bitching. Sit back down, continue eating your chili, and lean your ear into the speaker. Listen, I got more. Dealer service drives. Yeah, some of you are probably already doing it. Have you ever had a, a successful service drive program? Now those don't work. Oh, really? I've done them where they're over 20 grand a month. I had one guy, my golden goose, Alan, at a Lexus store that was just on his own selling us between four and five grand a month. Just one cat. What about grouping PDR with other services? Bundling. Yeah, it could happen detailing or whatever 
What about point of sale materials at auto related businesses? You have business card holders that are super sick. Or you got a digital sales thing like a little iPad, a mini iPad that displays a video loop. Yeah, you'd want to put that somewhere. I mean, it's, if a mini iPad's 300, 400 bucks, it better be at a place where you're going to be getting sales, right? Otherwise, you're wasting your time. But how cool would that be? A digital point of sale marketing tool right there? I literally just thought of that on the fly right now because I was thinking about our our little business card. Double-sided tape on the... I mean, somebody could steal that shit too, so you got to think of that. Maybe, hopefully, the counter will... I don't know. Maybe... I, who knows? I don't know how you do it, but I'm just... I'm throwing ideas out, guys. It's just nothing but ideas. We can't just be all think the same... Be in the same box. Fuck that. It's boring. Life's too too uh, vibrant and too much of an opportunity for us to just shit on it with the same old bullshit thinking. Anyway, so we had our business cards for the longest time. I must have had, I went to 15 or 20 car washes and some of them wanted you to pay for it and fuck those guys. The ones that I said, look, I'll put this card holder up here and it was over so it was big. It had like a five by seven backing to it and then it held our business cards. And we've tested, trust me, if you saw the business cards we tested, nowadays I wouldn't even put business cards. I'd just say scan this. And they scan your stuff and it saves right to their phone. Have a QR code. And say if you scan it and save it and then call us for service, you immediately get 20% off uh, any services we offer. Because they, they're going to save your information. People don't save business cards. They always get chucked, right? So QR codes, I've talked about that in the pod. You know they work. But point of sale, those also worked. And like I said, the way we got into car washes, we would tell the car washes, like, look, I will take care of your minor dents and door dings that your people are inevitably going to cause for the opportunity to put this business card holder up here. Most of the time, it's paint damage anyway when they fuck shit up. But occasionally, somebody would slip off a little footstool, make an elbow dent like a freaking WWE body slam into a fender quarter panel. It does happen. This isn't for auto body damage. This is for stuff that you can repair. It usually makes sense, guys. I haven't had one that didn't. Obviously, the opportunity could be there. So, All right. So anyway, there's that. Number five, customer service. Perhaps you learn that your customers or a segment of them want a more personal experience, a.k.a. luxury. You know, I'm really busy. I really want you to come to me. If you don't want to come to them, go freaking valet the car. Customer experience can be a differentiator, especially if you're going luxury or hyper-luxury. The ability to meet each customer's specific needs is, it's achievable, but you have to manage what customers want. You have to survey. And how would you know it's by guessing? That's like freaking playing, you know, pin the tail on the donkey with, you know, and you don't even know where the damn freaking donkey is. You're not even in the right room. Never played that game? You don't know what I'm talking about? All right. Sorry to hear that. Okay, so how about reducing the size of your battleground where you compete, such as focusing on a tighter geo or a segment or even a demographic, and then you'll be able to focus and hone in on those unique needs and communicate accordingly. So yeah, all I do is, is big dance. All I do is uh, hyper luxury. I don't work on cars. My wife says this all the time. She's like, you're wasting your fucking time working on cars that are older than like 2015. She's like, why? And for the most part, she's right. 2012 Yaris came in last week. It's just like, I almost want, I don't want to be offensive, but I, I, at some point I want to tell them, look, if I had, if I had a little bit of a bigger pool, I probably would. 
But nine times out of ten, those people just don't have the money. You know, or they don't see the value. They may have the money. You know, in their in their garage, they've got a Tesla Model S. But then they were just bestowed that Yaris from a mother-in-law who just passed, which is kind of like my last client. But he didn't see he didn't see the the wherewithal putting three grand in on paint. He did have us detail it for two seventy-five, but so we made some money off them, contrary to what my wife would say. But two seventy-five, that's below my average purchase price by a fold of about three, a factor of three. So. I don't know. How about unique promotion and or advertising? There's a lot of people that are doing this and they're getting better and better at it. Find your your strongest differentiators and develop targeted communications for each customer touch point. On average, there's five touch points and we'll get into those. And guys, as we've talked about water and gas and anything else, any commodity can be differentiated there's over 200 bottled water brands competing in the U.S. alone. Now, I think water is the ultimate commodity. It's freaking water. So through, so through targeted packaging, pr promotion, and advertising, easy for me to say, many of these are doing really well. So how do we package, promote, and advertise PR so we can do well? That is the challenge. Of course we could do the same thing. If they could do with something as simple as water, we could definitely do with some as PDR that's more complex. You could do with chicken, you could do with freaking bananas. Look at what insurance does. Insurance competes just by mass advertising and just freaking trying to blanket an area or a part of the industry because they have enough money, right? They make a shit ton of money. Most PDR guys aren't going to do that, but it is an option, it's a strategy. You could own your two to five mil five mile area and just blanket the shit out of ads out there off and online man all i see is is dent dominator i see them in the pizza parlor i see them uh all the dealerships right here within this area they're all the car washes man dent dominator dent dominator they are dominating dent dominator just made that up not bad never even heard of that name either and then the last one, which I hate to talk about, but I have to just because it's an option, even though I don't believe in it, at least not lowering it, is adjusting price. That's why I went through all those other strategies before doing this. The reason for building a brand is to differentiate. And the reason to differentiate is to hopefully make more money. You want to be as different as you can, guys from your competitors' offerings as possible and meaningful to your customers. But how the fuck are you going to know unless you ask them? This is the basis for what you do as a brand. So there's the continuum, the, the, the range, the timeline is either going to be a commodity at one end or a monopoly at the other. You're trying to be as blue ocean and as unique as possible to the left side and be a monopoly. Setting your price, the optimal price, is going to be reflective on where you are in the commodity market in that timeline, that continuum, right? If you are not a brand and you haven't done shit, you're probably going to have to be at the lower end of that price. And the process is kind of both, it's a science and it's art. It's not, it's not a perfect science, is it? But when you play with it, like I said Paul Corden did, you're going to find out where you fit. few more things guys and then we'll wrap up so 
what are the touch points and how can you interact with customers? How can you develop out, flesh out your, your brand? Okay, via text, and I don't mean phone text, I mean written word. Okay, is number one. Number two, and there's a lot of different places to have that text. It could be on your vehicle, it could be on business cards, it could be on your QR message, all kinds of shit, your point of sale. It could be the text you send on your phone, of course, but more than that. Photos. Photos are huge. There's a there's a brand that I love, and it's called Deus. And Deus does mostly they do clothing. I'd say 90%. They also have a music portion, and then they do they build custom motorcycles. But they're really known for their t-shirts and sweatshirts and shorts and their all their apparel. But they're selling a lifestyle, okay? And they have what's called a lookbook. Another apparel company that does a really good job of that is called Seeger. S-E-A-G-E-R. I don't know if you've ever heard of Deus or Seeger. But they're trying to get you to feels. Okay, They want to get you feels. And even in the PDR world, even though we're not apparel, we are trying to ultimately get to the customer's feeling. So if we show people after the repair their feeling and we market those, those capture points, that's why I bring this up, those photos or hopefully videos, Oh my God, this is amazing. Somebody's crying or jumping up down or getting all emo on, on us. What's the what's the more powerful than that? Fuck the pictures of that badass dent that you did, Jimmy. Is that really what an inanimate freaking object like a car? Who cares? I I'll you can keep that picture of that of that Lamborghini dent you did. Oh, it was badass, man. You didn't see a flicker in it. I'll take the picture of the lady who busts her hump for her business to buy the Lamborghini and how emotional she was after just looking. I, I don't even want to show the car. I'm going to show the look on her face and her reaction. Holy fuck, how did you do this? That's art. That's magic. That's what I want because that's going to resonate more with people than that bitch in car because how many people have a fucking Lamborghini, first of all? Yeah, you, you'll gain some clout and some trust. Oh, well, shit, man. If Jimmy can do a, a Lambo, he certainly could do my Kia. But then they might also think, Jimmy ain't going to fucking touch my key because all he does is luxury. But if all they see is the look on that lady's face and, sh and you show her emotion. So yeah, photos, definitely video, work. Next, if you have a blog, people will read your blog. You'd be surprised how geeky, how deep people go. Especially if the car matters more, meaning especially they'll pay more money. Email. Yeah, why not? I didn't say spam them. For a service business, usually it's consider it five touch points to close. And what do you need to do? Need, first of all, awareness. I've never heard of Dent Dominator. Well, good fucking luck on closing them then. So it's awareness, consideration. Hmm. I texted a bunch of people. But Jared, he seemed a little more knowledgeable. The things he said, or the way that he sent me that text, and it was all structured. It wasn't just numbers. He, I had screenshots of of the estimating software from mobile tech. Maybe that maybe that will help with the consideration process. Next in line, of course, decision. Oh I gotta decide. And then action, texting you back to book or calling. And then loyalty, which is basically retention and advocacy, referrals. So retention means they're gonna use you again, refer you, review, all that. So those are the five touch points, those are the five steps. And then brand touch points is the promise you make as a brand. 
I know people in the dent rule business, guys, that say, I can't make it perfect. Don't expect it to be perfect. There will always be flaws. There's no such thing as a perfect dent. Interesting. Hey, what's your brand story? Why are you doing this? Well, you don't have a brand story. Well, fuck, then. How are people supposed to connect to your brand, then? Do you think water companies do, like Aquafina and Dasani do that? Innovation. Do you do you do anything different with your process? Do you offer services that others that just can't or don't or won't? How about the purchase moment? What do you do different than most other techs? Or are you the same? At the purpose moment, I actually do this, this, and this. I have a process. Oh, shit. The same would go for the estimating process. Maybe that would be different. And then the overall overarching consumer experience. That That's what your brand is. What people say about you. Dent Dominator, holy shit, what a great company. Or Dent Dunce, what a shit show. It's tough. I ain't saying it's easy. But if you're trying to get away from being a commodity <coughs> and you care, I mean, if you live in your grandma's basement and you're trying to make 100 bucks a day and, you, and you're on a gaming squad and you don't give a shit, this doesn't mean anything to you. But if you're trying to grow a six-figure, seven-figure, eight-figure PDR slash recon business, this should mean a fuck ton to you. It really should. All right, that's it, guys. That's our deep dive into how to make a PDR business less commodity-driven and more brand-driven. Make more money is what it boils down to. Holy shit, 41 minutes. Whoo, laddie. All right, man, that's it. I'm going to drop the mic. This is Brian Jump. This was the SAI Million Dollar PDR Podcast. I appreciate you. Stay tuned. What do I ask? I don't ask for anything but referrals and reviews, man. If you don't mind, just give me a quick a quick uh, little little shout out wherever you catch us. Google Podcast, iTunes, Spotify, whatever works. And I will catch you guys all soon, man. Thanks so much and catch you on the flip side. Bye-bye for now.